Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundem, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we're speaking about data and network analytics to identify the right experts with our own experts from within three, namely Lance Hill, CEO, and Sam Veek, Vice President of Product Marketing. This episode is made possible by Within3, whose insights management platform helps life science companies identify the right people, actively engage them, and get answers that inform strategic decisions. So first of all, thank you both for being here today. And uh, Lance, it's always good to chat with you. So I was wondering if you could get us started by telling us what you mean by the right experts. Who are these people we're looking for? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to start. Actually, hi, Garth. Nice to uh, talk with you again. Um, I think historically, because of access to data or lack thereof, the right experts typically tended to be kind of a top-down view of who publishes the most in PubMed, who's attached to which clinical trials, um, maybe a little bit of who do we know who speaks at, at different uh, congresses or conferences. And so the right person was really who is the loudest scientifically um, is usually what, what it has meant historically. And, and really, if you think about what you're doing within medical affairs and different parts of uh, you know, everything from development all the way through product launch and beyond, the right person might be very, very different. The right person for a specific set of questions might looking at uh, treaters and prescribers. Okay. The right person in another context could be uh, referrers. The right person in another context could be people with, with amazing market access experience. And so the right person really should be contextual to what you're trying to learn or who or what outcome you're trying to achieve versus kind of a generic, here's a database of people, uh, some algorithm in the back that's kind of ranked everybody, usually based on scientific loudness. <laughs> and, and here you go, you know, go talk to these sorts of folks. Well, so Sam, I always think about identifying the right experts as a, as a field medical thing where you're looking for HCPs so you can have your MSL HCP <laughs> scientific exchange, but it sounds like we're expanding the definition. So, you know, are are we still talking only in the context of, of field medical or are we even expanding our vision of these experts beyond that? Yeah, that's a great question, Garth. And honestly, it is an expansion and it, it probably has been, but we, in the context of looking at the right people today, it's starting really at the beginning. So if you're talking about clinical trials, for example, are you working with the right investigators? Are you identifying the right patient populations and you know placing your clinical trials in the right location all the way through then to medical affairs and then through commercial? And are you talking to the right HCPs to, to truly target and have the greatest impact within um, your drug or, or disease state or therapeutic area? And so it really spans the entire uh, product development life cycle, uh, depending what you're trying to achieve and kind of your goals uh, of where you are and who you need to be talking to. But there's also, you know, 
expansion into specific areas as well, like geographically? Are you talking to the right people if you're trying to expand into um, global territories, for example? And so it kind of expands really the the different individuals within life sciences, but also across the globe uh, in terms of talking to the right people and making sure you're you're really targeting who's going to help impact the things that you that matter the most to you. And, you yeah, and if you think beyond, just yeah, to yeah. jump in, if you think beyond, you know, beyond field medical specifically, right? So you have in today's world, a much more complex landscape of who, who medical affairs interacts with and kind of who within medical affairs is doing that interaction. So you have things like steering committees and advisory boards. A lot of times medical affairs is involved in different ways and different sort of speaking or educational sorts of materials. You might be working with different uh, HCPs or other experts on developing educational aids and, 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 and understanding and assessing patient cases. Um, you might be working with outside folks in the publications or authoring domain um, and have different thought processes there. So while field medical has sort of the, who's my call list? Who should I be talking to on a on kind of a daily basis or a quarterly basis with a view, usually more of disseminating science um, to a degree also in today's world, pulling information back. If you step back and look at all of medical, from a, from a medical strategy point of view, there are a lot of touch points. Um, and the traditional way, as we mentioned, of who's the loudest scientifically really isn't a match in, in many, many cases. Uh, that, that's a really good point. You know, it's funny. I can almost have imagined in the title of this podcast, uh, how to identify the right scientific experts Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm glad that that's not in the title because we're going way past that. So, okay, it used to be the people who are loudest scientifically. You go to PubMed and, I don't know, you, you get number of citations and mm-hmm. I don't know, exactly impact right. factor, or I don't know what. But um, so if that's not all we're listening to, what else are we listening to? So there, so, and that's kind of where one of the, there's two big innovations, I guess, technologically that have happened. And there's a number of companies, including ours, that are um, really investing in these two innovations. So one is expanding and widening that data set of the places you can go to understand who matters when. And then second is applying network analytics on top of what would be otherwise a list of Mm -hmm. people to understand who actually interacts with who on what topics, what frequency, and what ways. So that'll let you understand a different set of things as well. You put those two things together and you have something really, really powerful. Our internal data has shown that if you only are doing kind of KOL ranking via Mm -hmm. traditional methods, depending on your therapeutic area, it does differ by therapeutic area, somewhere between 20 and 60% of the people that would come up in a traditional ranking Mm -hmm. are usually not the best people for, uh, for, in various types of engagements. There is, a, there is a pretty wide difference in some therapeutic areas. So on the data side, what that really is, is not just the scientific piece, which still matters, but also integrating into that single view, disambiguated, you know, Dr. Lance Hill is the same as Dr. L. Hill is the same as Dr. L.H. or just, you know, whatever, the different ways that you might be identified in different places, but also integrating social, um, digital opinion leaders, digital conversations, so much of science, as an example, is happening socially, but also so much is people talking about difficulties in access, treatment, uh, et cetera. So automatically integrating everything happening in the social realm into that single view of the person, mm-hmm. treatment data, 
real world data, which you know really historically was more a little bit of the purview of commercial to help them kind of understand you know what pills are, are moving in what regions and that sort of thing. From a medical point of view, there's now a lot of information available that is correctly set up for medical with, with kind of the, the regulations that apply there to help you understand referral patterns, patient journey, misdiagnoses, uh, comorbidities, things that help you identify um, where your science is falling down or things that help you identify a different set of stakeholders who are involved on the treatment side that may be really important for you to be interacting with. And then finally, transparency. Um, you know, over 30 countries publish some sort of transparency database that says, you know, is Dr. Lance working with my competitors or not? Um, and really understanding the competitive landscape and even the messaging analytics landscape, frankly, um, what scientific voice are my competitors putting out there? You know, all of that data can come down and attach back to people. Um, and, and that, I think a lot of companies, certainly within three, we've done a lot to bring that data together very, very simply. And it makes, makes it really, you're, you're almost operating with one quarter of the necessary information if you're only working off the kind of who's loudest yeah. scientifically. Okay, well, let's dig in, Sam. So we, we moved a little bit there from individuals to networks. So why is it important to know how all these people relate? What, what is the power of a network in comparison with just the power of KOL ranking individuals? Yeah, that's really where the power comes in. Because if you think about a typical disease community, there could be thousands of people in that disease community that have some sort of work when we talk about volume of work. So they've published something or they're treaters or somehow they have an impact in that community. But when you look at all of the data, there could be hundreds of thousands of different connection points between those thousands of people. And so the network mapping is essential to be able to take those hundreds of thousands of connections and data points and make sense of it in a scalable manner. And so what it really does is it maps all of the different ways in which people are connected to each other across those four you know, categories of data. So not only is an individual potentially publishing or working with someone else, but are they also socially connected to another individual who has a connection to someone who would be a great impact to the work that you're doing. And so it starts to kind of uncover this network of individuals and insights that you could otherwise you would never have if it was just a plane, you know, it was just one level of connection and you're seeing that, you know, Sam Vick works with Lance Hill, that's fine. But is there a next layer of connection that is really going to drive this valuable impact for the work that you're doing? And so it's, it's taking all of those connections and there's a lot of algorithms and it's been honed, you know, really over decades to be able to validate that these connections and the strength of connection can really impact um, the work and decisions that you're making by talking to the right people that you can glean from, from the impact of that social network analytics. Okay. Yeah, and historically there, Garth, the, 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 the way a lot of kind of quote unquote networks or network analytics was done in the market is to say, okay, so um, I published something, Garth, you're a co-author we're connected. So let me look at the PubMed data and try to figure out who's authoring with who. Yep. And from that, you kind of say, oh, that's that's the network. But that's only one way that people work together. Um, yeah, it's it's who's in the same the same centers, who's uh, who's seeing the same sorts of patients, who's working on the same sorts of, of, of treatment guidelines. There's a whole variety of them. There's over 12 different ways. Just you can easily look at different types of connections between HCPs, for instance. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the trick is to have technology that can bring all those different ways together and weigh them appropriately so that you're getting a more holistic view. The, the example I would give is imagine, you know, logging into Facebook um, and instead of being able to say who's connected with who, you, you kind of just get a directory and it would say, oh, Garth is a, Garth is a nine and Sam's a six. And, and like you have a ranking of somehow social activity, but you don't have any sort of does Garth know Sam Veek? I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. They just both happen to post a lot on Facebook. Um, and that's kind of the difference between maybe where the technology and the industry was two or three years ago to where it is today, where those more sophisticated networks that are uh, applications that have been used for the last decade mm-hmm. on the social media platforms, the algorithms behind them is what I'm talking about. Not, not obviously the, you know, the here's a picture of my dog part, but the actual <laughs> algorithms. Um, those are being applied to life science now and to this, to this issue. And that's really, again, really surfacing up a much finer tooth comb on who matters in a specific context, because you now have context in that map. It's not just a generic map based on who publishes with who. Yeah. And to me that it's like precision targeting, right? So you can look at it and you might have your traditional list, but when you're looking at it from the network analytics view, you can say for the specific question that I need to have answered today or for the specific goal of what I'm trying to do, who are exactly the right people that I should be talking to to have the greatest impact. Because you can be talking to someone and they can have impact still, but it doesn't mean they're going to have the most significant impact that you can truly have. So, okay. And so- if you were to zoom out for a second, just to kind of you know, think about it this way, so imagine you're, you know, you're thinking about your medical strategy and you've got your plan of, of who you should be interacting with, you know, uh, ASCO is coming up, you're in oncology, you're kind of putting your plans together on, on who matters. And just imagine you're using your normal, who do we know, who have we known for a long time? And just imagine you're 20% incorrect. Mm-hmm. One out of five of the people that you're going to be talking to aren't really the right people. And imagine your competitor is only 5% incorrect. <laughs> That's a material difference in the effectiveness of your medical organization compared to a competitor. So it really does. uh, It's not just theoretical. It really makes a huge difference in the efficacy and ultimately the business success of the activities that medical is involved with to have the latest and greatest and and always updating view of who matters for specific contexts within their disease community. And who matters? So it's not just somehow mapping all these connections and seeing that, you know, this person's connected to those three people and this person's connected to those four people. But, you know, eventually the goal of medical affairs is not just to know the network, but to influence the network. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we know, who, you know, who to call first to actually affect I don't know what the, the opinion of the network or the, or the knowledge of the network do we know how to affect the network? Um, what you can see in easily through a network lens is you can see who are the people at the center of the network? Who are the people at the edges? Okay, who cool. are the people that are connected very, very broadly? Mm-hmm. And, and a network is, is it's more set up. It's not like a big circle and there's people in the middle and there's people on the outside. It's more complex than that. So there might be someone who's very much in the center of a network between the U.S. and Japan. And, and that market, this is a physician, for example, that is heavily involved there and here may not even be viewed as a top KOL in Japan. But if your goal is to look at kind of bridging a, a global divide is a very critical communicator between the two, two, two regions, as an example, Japan, and US or something like that. Yep. So you can actually see in the shape of the network, 
who are the people who are the connectors and who are the people that really information follows through. And if you're adding that into things like uh, social listening, you're also integrating with that real time if they're, on, if they're active on, on social or they're listening to other folks who are active on social, what the opinions are to that part of your question. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can use this information to start building those views. Um, and, then, and then, you know, again, if you're in, for example, the US, you combine that with, with treatment data, um, you can also, also begin to see kind of who's seeing, which regions of, or, or which centers are seeing certain types of patients that matter. And so I can kind of even understand, like, I need to have a lot of influence here because this, this part of, of the region is really, really active in this particular disease state. Um, so there's a lot of information you can find, A, about who would you need to know to affect the most change, which is question number one. And then if you know them, um, what, do you, what do you know about them that can help you have a really productive set of conversations? Yeah. Uh, with them to achieve, you know, uh, uh, have them understand your scientific narrative and begin to adapt, you know, their thinking perhaps along the lines of of the data and evidence that you're presenting to them. You know, you can say, oh, go ahead, Sam, sorry. (laughs) No, just one quick point to build off of that and uh, allowed by the technology nowadays is because of the data and the network analytics applied on top of it and being able to see the connections and and everything that Lance was just talking about, you can quantify the reach that those individuals that you're selecting really have within your your disease community as well. So if you're picking 15 people, you know, randomly off that list, you can see, is it reaching, you know, 40% of the community or 60% and how much through the first degree connections are those people are reaching? Um, And it can help you get very targeted with these are the top 15 people to reach sometimes 80, 90% of the community just with 15 people out of the thousands of individuals because of the way that they're connected and the reach that they really have. Well, it sounds like you would need to go to these networks with strategy-driven questions. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to your point, you know, maybe you uh, can find a c- connector that would allow you to expand into the uh, Japan market, but you would have the strategy-driven goal to expand into the Japan market. So is the first step in expert identification to decide from a strategy-based perspective what questions you and, and what people you want to find in that network? Today, yes. Uh, for several years ago, it kind of didn't matter because whatever question you had, your answer was who publishes the most, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> um, right? And, and, but in today's world, that's kind of the power of it. And that's the power of, of some of the technology platforms that different companies have invested in is the ability to get very granular with those questions. So older, older technology would say, here's a database of HCP profiles as an example. And we have 500,000 more profiles than the next vendor or whatever. It, it was all about kind of the gathering, the profile was kind of the, the center of it. Yep. What you're talking about now, Garth, is really that's the why you did it in the first place. So that when you had specific questions, like I want to understand in the context of treatment guideline formation, you know, while I maybe can't access those working on the treatment guidelines directly, I want to understand the, the world they're living in more directly so I can get a, a sense of what, what matters there. Or on the flip side, I want to, I want to be talking to um, sets of, I want to be talking to examples of physicians that uh, are most likely to refer patients that I care about or diagnose patients that I care about than, than others mm-hmm. and get their view of the world versus maybe the general population. 
those specific sets of questions are just, they become just as easy to answer than who speaks the most at ASCO, coming back to that example um, in today's world. And that allows a kind of intellectually curious and smart medical team Mm -hmm. to really maneuver very, very well and very, very nimble in the market. So if I want to know X, Y, Z, or, or if I want to have X, Y, Z type of influence, you can look into a network, not just from publications, but from all these data sources mm-hmm. and know how to answer that question or, or have that influence. Like that's the goal. That's the strategy driven yep. goal from medical affairs teams. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately it is. It's, it's two things. It's, it's the influence and it's also who is the right voice of the customer for us to make the best decisions. Uh, And those are, it's really bi-directional, right? So there's a field medical, get them, get them message out there, but then there's also the, let's make sure as we're forming our strategy that we're doing it in the right way. And I think this, these sorts of technologies, all this data now that's available, it's integrated and is built more for medical than yeah. just commercial, which is yeah. really critical. And then second is the fact that you, you have these network analytics technologies that are becoming more robust every day. Um, as, you know, as, as technology companies invest in this space, you really can uh, drive that. And, and you move from having to worry about where is the data? Is it clean? Where did I get it? What does it all mean? I need a bunch of data analysts to figure this out. That takes too long. I'll just you know, default back to who I know to something that is much more answer driven. And, and you can just focus on what are my business questions and get those answers versus what are my business questions? Let me call the analyst group and eight weeks from now, they'll have run a bunch of you know data warehousing analysis for me to come up with something. <laughs> so Sam, I, is not just who we should be talking to, but who we should be listening to? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, to the points we've been making, it's the technology needs to be both contextualized as well as visualized. So through all the context points and everything else, it visualizes not only the people you should be talking to, but listening to. Um, and wherever those questions are and, and wherever you are, being able to get those answers from the context um, that is really visualized through technology. So I think sometimes when we talk about these maps and social networks, like it, it feels so ambiguous and vague, but really the answers can be gleaned through really good visualization platforms that can Mm -hmm. surface uh, a map to the answer versus just lots and lots of data and the context behind it. It, It's like one of those 3D pictures. Remember, what are they called? Stereoscopic, where you've got those two things and you blur your eyes and they come together and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's like a 3D thing. So the technology allows us to look at these squiggly lines and Mm -hmm. actually see a fully rendered uh, 3D picture of the thing that you're, <laughs> of the thing that you're. Yeah, looking. exactly right. And in fact, you can actually see 3D renderings of the actual network in yeah. many of the technologies. <laughs> they they render them that way, so you can actually you know look around and say, who's this over here? Who seems to be this person between these two large blocks of the network? It's actually it's yeah. if you are a data geek uh, and you dig that, it's actually pretty interesting. But um, but yeah, you're exactly right. It, the the technology has advanced so much and. And a lot of R&D is going into it. So it's not even, even where it is today is not where it's going to be three years from now. Um, there's a lot of companies really trying to make this a lot easier for medical affairs organizations. Cool. Well, I dig it and I'd like to see it. So <laughs> let's leave it at there for today. 
And uh, we will all uh, hopefully have the chance to look at some of these 3D renderings of complex networks. So thanks, Lance and Sam. To learn more about how your organization can partner with Within3, visit within3.com. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.